Hey, it's Brandon Laws. Welcome to Transform Your Workplace. Thanks for the download today. Today's episode is brought to you by Zenium HR. Learn more about Zenium's complete HR plus payroll solution at zeniumhr.com. Well, I'm really excited for today's episode. Months ago, I had seen a talk at Disrupt HR, and I think they're all over the United States in different cities, but this one was in Portland, Oregon, where I'm located. And I heard Natalie Miller, who's the guest of today's episode, talk about apprenticeships and why we should really take a hard look at creating apprenticeships within our organizations. And naturally, you think oh, apprenticeships are for the trades. It's electrical, it's plumbing, it's those types of jobs. But and Natalie argues otherwise. She, she argues that apprenticeships are a, a great way for people to get into an organization get experience and career path. It's a way to keep people inside of an organization a lot longer. And, you know, they don't need a four-year degree to do so. They can get experience right away at an entry level and can career path up to wherever they want to go. So I found it really fascinating. I really enjoyed this discussion. It's something that I, I really haven't heard people talk about a lot, but, um, I think she's on to something, and I'm curious what you will think after hearing this episode. Enjoy today's episode with Natalie Miller, and we'll talk to you next week. Natalie, it is a pleasure to have you on Transform Your Workplace. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. This has been a bright spot in my last couple of weeks. I've been looking forward to this, so thank you. I've been looking forward to talking with you ever since I saw you give a talk at Disrupt HR, which you know I think it's nationwide, if I remember right. It's like they go in these little markets and they do like a TED Talk style of just talks. There's like, what, 15 of them? So there's a lot of different creative talks and we get five minutes of it and it's really fun. And you gave a talk on apprenticeships and how they're really underutilized. Uh, and I'm excited to talk with you about it. So like, let's just start with this. Is Are apprenticeships, is it a common practice with employers? So I think that yes, and <laughs> I think when most people think of it, they think of trades, plumbers, yes. electricians, you think of, I always think of like the, like I said, the disrupt talk, the PGE line crew that after a snowpocalypse is restoring the power, right? We're not thinking about more non-trades. So you'll start to see this a little bit more, I think, because of the Department of Labor, because of Department of Commerce and what they're trying to do about really creating those middle kind of income jobs. But it's not something that is common. I think I think it's a little more common because of the world I live in, right? And seeing organizations that are implementing these. But it is something that you will start to see on job descriptions where it'll say a four-year degree or experience or an apprenticeship and experience. But it's not quite as common as I would like it to be and we would like it to be. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the trades. That's what I always default to. I've got a buddy that's uh, an electrician and I know he, he did an apprenticeship, but are we talking outside of the trades now apprenticeships are becoming a thing? Yeah. I think the tech industry has embraced this. I think there are other, so if you look at like the Society for Human Resource Management, the foundation, right? Sherm Foundation, they have an HR apprenticeship 
that they've created. And part of what it is doing is, especially in tech, they have a need. They have a talent need. It's not just that we need people that have three to five years of experience. We need to build our talent pipeline. And we aren't able to do that with the current population that's coming out of four-year degrees, right? Kind of surprises people is only 30% of Americans have a four-year degree. So as employers, we are now putting up a roadblock for people to have access to jobs, almost 70% of Americans. That's interesting. So you're basically saying like, you know, we as employers, we put out a job description and, and the requirement, it says four-year degree. And you're saying the supply isn't matching the demand. There's an imbalance there. There's a huge imbalance. <laughs> and it's funny, and I didn't going to say that we're sort of creating our own problem, but we sort of have, right? And I mean, I'm guilty. I mean, I'm fortunate. I got had a four-year degree. But there are a lot of people, smart, brilliant, wonderful people that for one reason or another do not have access or do not think that they have access. And so apprenticeships for tech careers or HR or more what we would consider kind of non-trades, we're going to start to see this a lot more because it essentially is taking all of the training and just focusing on, on one area for a career versus a four-year degree that looks at like that professional experience, that kind of profession versus a career. When I heard your talk and it was of course very fast and I'm <laughs> so like fast. trying to write down some notes and I was just like the wheels were spinning because I see benefits on both sides of the equation, the employer side and the employee side, the, the apprentice, so to speak. When people come out of like a four-year degree, for example, most people probably take a lot of loans. And so they need a, a high paying job to be able to pay for those loans and they probably want to start their life, buy a house, whatever they want to do. And so when the employer is like, they're hiring these these people coming out of school and their wage requirements are so high, there's like a mismatch. Like they have no experience, but yet they want high wages. And so to me, an apprenticeship, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like you can get people in Get them experience that like they have no experience, but yet you can get them in at a really low level and help build their career. This seems like there's a higher career arc if you do it this way. It is such a great point. Yes, and it and it is because you think about in apprenticeships, I'll speak to tech apprenticeships and what we do, about 30%. So if you look at minimum qualifications on a job description, 30% of that training comes from the technical instruction. So that happens before they go into the organization. Now you are creating an employer, you are creating your pipeline to talent. So now they're coming in and they're working full time. You get to train them in how your organization builds websites or cybersecurity or IT support. And you're giving them on the job training. They're working with managers. They're working with a mentor. They're understanding what works and what doesn't. And at the end of this, they get hired into that entry-level role. So that first year, they're making an apprentice wage, which is usually 60 to 70% of what that first year salary would be if you were coming from a four-year degree and getting hired into that role. How long do you see the apprenticeships lasting? Like if I'm, I'm an employer and I want to do something like this, am I offering an apprenticeship for a year? Is it two years? Is it, maybe it runs the gamut, but I'm curious what you've seen. Yeah, that's a great question. So the frame of reference most people have is trades, right? Where they're working two days a week, going to school three days a week. And they use that model for three to four years. In tech apprenticeship, all of the training, the way that we do it at Apprentice, is all of the training happens up front. So matter of, say, three to six months, depending on the career. And then there's an hours requirement, which is usually about 2,000 hours to get that required, that apprenticeship certificate. 
So that translates to maybe a year and a half, right? If you include the training, the required technical training, and then on-the-job training. So you can create that entry-level candidate in what could be sometimes a quarter of the time of what a four-year degree would. I mean, just because we've historically talked about trades and now you're talking about the tech industry and maybe even other industries to do something like this. How early are we talking to get somebody in? I mean, people a lot of times go to college right after high school and they're 19 years old or something like that. I mean, could you legitimately start an apprenticeship with somebody who's 19 years old? For sure. Yeah. So our average at Apprentice is about 32. And I think you'll find in tech careers, it's about the same. We have one cohort where we've had our youngest apprentice at 18. And I hope I'm not you know, misstating this, but the oldest person in that cohort was 67, 68 years old. Are they like, were they doing a career change or something? Totally. That, that's yeah, awesome right. though. Like how else are you going to, you probably don't want to go to a four-year degree when you're that age. I mean, maybe they would, or maybe they are at the same time. But. No, you got it. And yeah. And then you also think about parents, right? So returnship. You think about what happened during the pandemic, particularly. We also focus on typically, you know, the historically not included, underrepresented in tech careers. So women, people of color. We also really work with veterans organizations and then also people with disabilities. And so a lot of times these individuals, you know, for example, a veteran, they may be leaving the military. They don't know what they want to do, right? Is a four-year degree what I really want to invest in? I mean, I have the GI Bill, that'll cover it, but that's a lot of time too. So it's that kind of ROI of time, money, and resource, I think. So a lot of people are shocked when I say our average is 32, our average age. And then if you look at veterans, that age actually increases for about a year. So it's about 33. Yeah. You sort of alluded to it, but does this solve a diversity issue that most organizations like trying to get diversity into their organization? But I don't know if it's probably not, not the appropriate term, but a supply issue or just don't know where to go. Does this solve a little bit of that problem? Yeah, it's access, right? So think of, I always say it's sort of like a freeway. There's certain on-ramps that we all have, whether where we live, right? And so some of this is just building that on-ramp for individuals to kind of see, oh, there's the freeway. I can get on the freeway here and there might be the, you know, HOV lane, the fast track that helps me get to that career because for whatever reason, I'm not going to be able, or I don't see that I could go to a four-year degree, but you are correct in that, you know, that's our mission. That's what we do at Apprenti. It isn't just about creating, we're a nonprofit. So we're here to create that tech pipeline for employers, but also to provide that on-ramp to those careers for those populations. It's amazing. It's a really amazing mission. Describe the difference between like an internship and an apprenticeship. I mean, I'm I'm loosely aware of what both are, but maybe for listeners who are like, all right, isn't this an internship? What's the difference? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people, it's interchangeable. And I always feel like now I'm like, now that I've had this awareness about a, a registered apprenticeship, I'm like, time out. No, internships are typically a tied to a degree. And or you see a lot of organizations that are creating military internships and they're short term, often no two organizations will do them the same way. Right. So what I mean by that is that it's unique to Nike or Intel. It's unique to Zenium or Apprenti, whereas with apprenticeship, it is literally done the same way at every organization because you are linking it to the training and then the on-the-job training to get that certificate that's registered with the Department of Labor. That industry has said, for this cybersecurity apprenticeship, 
here are the things that this individual needs to learn through technical instruction and on-the-job training to get that certificate. So internships, and I think in my Disrupt HR presentation, I used the interns from the office <laughs> because that's what I think of. <laughs> of like They didn't learn what the number of sheets in a ream of paper was, right. and, and they were there for a long time. So I think there's the standardization of it all, but it's also really more Internships tend to be more time-based and project-based and short-term in nature, whereas an apprenticeship is really about that track into the career. But it's common, very common for people to use them synonymously. Right. For those that actually do an apprenticeship, do they often also go to school in parallel with it? Or is it one or the other? I mean, what do you see generally? I mean, I'm sure it's probably a lot of both, but curious what you see. What I've seen so far is people may be going to community college, four-year degree, and then see apprenticeship and go, oh, that's for me. It is tough to be doing two things at once in an apprenticeship. It is full-time. So full-time school, you are in class eight to five, you're working on your projects, you're working on your capstone project, you get that done, you pass your certifications, now you're on the job training, and now you're working full-time. So for most people, it's really tough to do both. So that's why when people come to us, we say, this isn't just exploration. Like when you're working with apprentice, you are like, we're talking about the 60, yeah, you are all in. You're all <laughs> so in. <laughs> we do, that's part of the kind of screening process that we look at is what are you looking for out of a career? What do you, when people think of IT careers, we work, have 20 different apprentice roles that there's different, right? There's IT support. So it's, different than cybersecurity or a business analyst or cloud ops person. So we have to walk people through what each of those careers are so that when we have those opportunities, then they can say, yes, I'm in on that. And that sounds great. And I have to go quit my job. I have to make arrangements for my family. It's a big deal for folks. Are you finding that those that do apprenticeships, they usually stay with that same organization for an extended period of time? You got it. It's yes. Really? So yeah. tell me about that. Unpack that a little bit. Because I think a lot of employers are probably listening right now saying, like, well, I got turnover. I can't keep my people. Is this a, an alternative path to grow people up in a career path? Yeah. I think especially what I, I always kind of term emerging talent in organizations, right? I'm not going to say it's not younger because I think poor folks get their younger, get a bad rap that they are in and out in two years. No, I'll just say is... inexperienced. <laughs> yeah. Emerging. So we'll just say emerging. emerging. I like that. That's better. <laughs> that's, that's more delicate. Yeah. And so, yeah. So usually you'll see kind of a 2X on the return. If you look at one to two years afterward, then you will see that, you know, we see a 92% retention rate with our apprenticeships versus 75% with four-year degrees. That's a significant, that's almost 20%. That's one in 10 leave if you're an apprenticeship versus one in four, right? So it can have a, a good yield and organizations that have a real focus on career mobility, training their managers to be really great leaders and help individuals through kind of the rock climbing while it's not a career ladder anymore at organizations, right? Exploration, see what's in there. Those organizations tend to retain better in all areas, but particularly with apprentices because the company has invested in them, has taken a chance and has said, we want to bring you into the organization in this really new and unique way. Let's get this into some logistical stuff because I'm sure people listening are like, well, this is a like a no-brainer. Maybe, maybe we explore this. What is even the first step in implementing something like this inside of an organization? The first step is 
usually to have a conversation with an organization like ours. And I'm not trying to say call Apprenti. No, I actually, I want to know, because you're a nonprofit, you, you've been doing this. Like, what do you do? What is, what is the setup? Yeah. So we go through a conversation around, so what are the roles? Where are, where are you looking to? Geographies. Let's talk about career pathing. Let's talk about managers and mentors that are available because you need to have both of those, right? The, the apprentice needs to have access to their manager more than just 15 minutes a day and having that mentor that's really going to show them sort of be their success coach at the organization and then also with their career. And then also start to look at what's the arc that happens after the apprenticeship. Some organizations have actually had to build in in their compensation structure it's pretty rare where they have to actually build in another sort of layer that's an apprentice role. It's usually fairly easy for organizations to do that. And so it's really often about mindset shift too, like really getting the organization to think about, okay, so this is why we've done this. This is why we have the four-year degrees. And that's sort of my challenge. I'm not saying that four-year degrees are bad, <laughs> that they should totally be done with, but why do we have that requirement? What does it really mean to our organization? Is it just because we've always had that? So that's sometimes that philosophical sort of conversation. I, I think I know why, Natalie. I think people are going to the Sherm website and copying a job description. <laughs> <laughs> and it's already got that in there. And so it's this just is, like, I'll do, yep. just templatize. <laughs> How often does that happen? And so there's like, oh, best practices, just, you know, add a four-year degree on there and with no thought. I, I, that's just my gut. <laughs> I don't know if that's accurate yeah. at all. But Well, I was talking with a, an organization. So here's an example of an organization where we're going to have to turn the corner with them, right? where they said, this sounds awesome. Yes, we want to do some sort of apprenticeship. But we went to the managers of these teams and the managers said, well, I had to get a four-year degree and I had to do the work to get a four-year degree. So anyone that comes into the organization, we want them to do that too. Okay. A short-sighted thinking right there. You got it. So that's when I say there often is within an organization that conversation around what this really means. And that's where we can help. Here's how other organizations have been successful. And part of it too is what we do is we not only help and kind of sponsor the programs, if companies want to set this up on their own, we can help them do that too. So that's where the nonprofit work and that's where our work as being an intermediary with the Department of Labor can really be beneficial to organizations. They may say, we want to do this on our own. Great. Let us help you do that. We can help you register the standards. We can show you what works and what doesn't and hurdles and you know standard operating procedures that really will work. So it's really it's fun. I imagine this is different across different industries and employer needs, but do they typically have one apprenticeship position and then they teach them varying skills? Or do they have different roles like any job? Yes, the latter. So it usually is that there's different roles. So like we have one that's, you know, like I said, cybersecurity, the big kind of the greatest hits, you know, software developer, <laughs> IT business analyst, because each of those roles has a different unique technical need, technical experience, technical knowledge. But if you look at software, that's pretty broad. So we have some organizations that will bring in a cohort and then they'll send three to this department and four over to this department and three to another that are very different parts of the business. So it can be a really great feeder and kind of launching pad into different careers for individuals. I think that goes across any registered apprenticeship, by the way, not just technology. Let me play devil's advocate one one minute. So let's say, you know, I'm looking to get into this program as, a, as an employee, like I want to be an apprentice. 
And then I go through the program, I build skills, and then I want to go jump to a different organization, but they have a job description that requires a four-year degree somewhere, and I only have the apprenticeship. Talk me through that. How is that going to benefit me as an employee? <laughs> so I, that's a great question, and I get that I get asked that a lot. I think as a candidate, so this is where I'm putting my career coach hat on for just a minute, I think you can say, what are the skills that are transferable? What did you build at that organization? You may not have the four-year degree, but I have this experience, which equates to what is in the four-year degree, right? So here's the technical skills that were in the four-year degree. What I have now is also X amount of time on the job. So you're actually getting someone who's worked in a team, who's done that work. And by the way, it was done in what, you know, 25% of the time. Sounds like we need to start reconfiguring our applicant tracking systems to make sure we're not filtering out people that don't have the four-year degree on the resume. Oh, for sure. I just went to the SHRM Inclusion Conference and there was a session where they were talking about this, about how much of our systems are built around an old way of doing things that screen out 50% of people that should be considered. So that's the conversation when you said, what will make a successful apprenticeship program? We have to think about that. And it's not big lift. This doesn't take, you know, we're not overhauling all of HR to create an apprenticeship program. But those simple little tweaks are things that will really open the doors for folks to work for them. If you were to think of like any industry or type of profession that you think this is absolutely perfect for, and we, we already know trades, it's been around forever, but uh, what other industries do you think this is like prime? So I think, well, a lot of it right now is huge is cybersecurity. So, I mean, I huge. So if you look at like the White House just did this cybersecurity sprint, like if the White House is getting behind it, the Department of Labor and Department of Commerce, there's something there, right? And then you'll see in other marketing roles, we're starting to see a lot more kind of outside, that's outside of what we do, but there's marketing roles. Um, SHRM created, I think it's an HR biz, I could have this right, but an HR data analyst and an HR apprenticeship. So this is a way where we're starting to see if like that feeder into, so it can be in any industry. So most of the types of industries that we work with aren't necessarily tech. I mean, we have big, big, you know, contracts with like Boeing and, and Amazon, but we also work with JP Morgan Chase. We work with Wayfair. We work with Cengage. We have all these that are not the typical tech clients because every company has technologists. So industries that tend to look at this are going to be energy, banking, those types of things as well, but it can be applied anywhere. Yeah. This is great. What did I miss? Anything that we should share or any parting thoughts on this? Yeah, this is a this is fun. We've never talked about apprenticeships on this podcast. So I as soon as I heard your talk, I'm like, I have to talk to Natalie about this. And I'm just I mean, it just opened up my mind completely. I love it. That was one of the scariest things I've ever done, that disrupting your presentation. But what came out of that was this conversation and a few others. And it's been wonderful to have the conversations with people to kind of have this paradigm shift. And that's really what I would encourage people is think about why you have the four-year degree requirement. What is it really doing for the organization and why is it there? And what other pathways can you create for people who might not have been included in your talent acquisition process? So thank you for having me. This has been great. 
Yeah, Natalie, this has been great. And in the show notes, if you're okay with it, I'll put a link to Prenny's website. And then also the uh, Disrupt HR videos just came out. So we can actually link to that if you're okay with that. It's five minutes. It's not a big time investment, but to see Natalie on stage uh, delivering a great talk, I think it would be beneficial for listeners. So thanks for coming on the podcast, Natalie. Really appreciate you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. And I appreciate what you're doing as well. So anything I can do to help, that's what I'm here to do. So thank you. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the guest's own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of Zenium HR or the host, Brandon Laws. The material and information presented on Transform Your Workplace is for general information and educational purposes only. Zenium HR or the host, Brandon Laws, does not necessarily endorse any guest, their business, or any organization they represent. Discretion is advised. Please work with a trusted advisor to find a custom approach that fits your organization's needs.